so guys, men, let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked a woman when she was due and she wasn't? Can't say that I've ever actually done this before, but I think the average guy on average has asked that question once, right? Some of you are above average, I get that, but we all have those moments where we put out some words and once they're out there, they're they're just out there. And part of the problem is that God gave us this button, but what we really need is this button. We can all hit the pause and think about what we might say, but what we really need is to hit the rewind button because of something we did say. And that's true for all of us because words are just powerful. They're powerful. Your life, my life, our lives have been shaped by words that have been spoken to us and about us and over us. They shape our childhood. They shape our relationships, our marriage, our dating relationships. They impact our confidence. You know, who we see in the mirror is impacted by words. They impact how we see other people. They, they just impact so many things in our lives. And, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal if words were equally weighted, but they're not. I mean, how many positive words does it take to counteract negative words? And I don't know the exact science on that, but I know it's not one-to-one. One positive word doesn't counter one negative word because words aren't equally weighted. We, we rarely forget hurtful words, and it takes a whole bunch of positive words to counter a single negative word. And we all have a story, right? And not only that, um, uh, words are unequally weighted. The source isn't equally weighted. Like, I, I'm a boss, which means my words weigh more. I don't necessarily, uh, I'm not necessarily comfortable with that, but I know it's true. Um, if you're a dad, I don't know why this is, but when it comes to our kids, our words weigh the most. I'm a big brother, and I've heard my younger siblings say that my words way more in their life than, than other people. So, so as we continue our journey through the book of James today, we're going to look at what he has to say about the power of words. And, and some of our most embarrassing moments and, and relational regrets might have been avoided if we had actually taken heed to these free words that are everywhere, they were on your grandma's coffee table growing up. You know, you have multiple copies of these in your home right now. They're for free on your phone, on the internet. They're everywhere. If we would have just done or, or taken heed on these words that James says today, we could have avoided some of our biggest relational regrets and if we listen to what James says and actually do what we hear, who knows how many future relational regrets that we'll actually avoid. It, it really is that practical. It really is that powerful, what he has to say to us today. So if you've got a Bible or a mobile device, find James chapter 3, follow along with me, fact check me as we go along. We'll start in verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2, here we go. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Even if you don't think the Bible is true, you can't argue with that, right? And then here's James' point for everything else that follows. 
Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. What do you mean by perfect, James? They're able to keep their whole body in check. So he says we all stumble. We can all agree with that. We all stumble in what we do and in, in what we say and how we think, where we go. But then he says if anybody is able to control their mouth, their tongue, their words, that person will keep their entire body out of trouble. We're going to come back to that here in a second. But some of you might say, James, can you give us any evidence of that? And he says, well, let me, let me illustrate, this, illustrate this for you. First illustration, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Some of you um, are, are around horses more than, than I am. Um, maybe you've never been around horses before, but he's saying you can control the, the horse by controlling the mouth of the horse. You can control the entire animal. I mean, a, a tiny five-year-old little girl sitting on top of a horse with her legs sticking straight out. As she has the reins of a horse, she can guide, she can direct this huge animal by controlling its mouth. Tiny human, huge animal. If you don't like that illustration, let's talk about boats. Verse 4, or take ships as an example, not modern-day ships, first-century ships. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Again, when you take the whole structure into account, the rudder is a, is a tiny part of the whole thing. But that little piece of wood, that little piece of steel is what decides where that massive ship goes. And his point with those two illustrations, it's obvious. Small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. The rudder of that ship, the bit in the, in the, in the mouth of that horse is insignificantly proportionate, but has extraordinary influence in terms of direction. And as we're about to see, our tongue has the same insignificance proportionally to our body, but extraordinary influence in terms of the direction of our life. That's what he says. Here it is, verse 5. Likewise, like a rudder on a ship or a bit in the mouth of a horse. Likewise, the tongue. Now, I don't want to be too gross here, but I also don't want us to miss this, okay? Think about the size of your tongue compared to the rest of your body. Like, it's, it's definitely one of the ugliest parts of the body. Like, nobody wants to see it, but it's, it's only about four inches long, and it has the power to control the direction of your life. He, he finishes the thought, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. That means it has amazing potential. I, um, I read an article a couple weeks ago. It really shouldn't surprise us, but the tongue is, is made up of eight different muscles that never get tired. I mean, when was the last time that your tongue got tired? Unless you have some kind of a, a, a disorder, the answer is probably never. Your tongue never wears out, which really, really shouldn't surprise us. Um, but he's not done with the illustrations. He says, consider, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
His audience had, had, had to imagine this. Very few of them had ever seen a forest fire. They'd seen brush fires, but there weren't a lot of forests in that region of the world. And in our world, we don't have to imagine this, do we? We've, we? We don't have to imagine thousands of acres and millions of dollars of real estate destroyed because, because we've seen it. We know what it looks like. And there's no logical correlation between something so small, a spark, destroying something so vast. But he finishes the thought. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue, the mouth, our words have the potential for evil. They have the potential for good too, which we should probably come back to someday. But what James is focusing on is the potential for evil. I mean, think about it. Every evil act can be initiated by words. Divorce can be initiated with words. Murder can start with an argument between two people. I mean, wars have been started over words. And we are all born with the pilot light lit. It gets worse. It gets worse. Our words have the power to corrupt the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And, and, and we all have a story, right? We, our mouths didn't just get our mouth in trouble. It got our entire body into trouble. I mean, parents, think about it. When, when your child mouths off, do you put their mouth in timeout? Or do you put the whole body in timeout? When, when your teenager talks back, do you punish their mouth? Or do you punish the entire teenager. I mean, nobody's ever divorced a mouth. Nobody's ever fired a mouth. No principal has ever expelled a mouth. They expel the entire person. That's his point. Our mouth has the potential to corrupt the whole person, but it's actually worse than that because we scorch the people we love the most. Some of us have set fire with our words. And even if we didn't mean to, if you accidentally set a fire, you accidentally start a fire, you're still responsible for that fire. And then James, he takes us to the very bottom of this, this, this fire we start with our words, this, this powerful, potentially toxic thing in our mouth. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. And when James says hell, he's not talking about a place of torment. He's talking about the source of evil. Right? If you've ever said something and you immediately wondered where it came from, James says, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, there really is a source of evil. There really is a place where evil originates. And when we burn people, when we burn a portion of our life, when, when we burn our life down with words, it's just a reminder that our tongue can be influenced 
by that source of evil. And when we say, James, that's enough, we get it, let's move on to something else, he, he just presses in even further. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Now, when he says tamed, he's talking about subdued, not domesticated. He's, he's, his point isn't that we bring all those animals into our homes as pets. It's, it's that the human race isn't being threatened by the animal kingdom. Like in the future, we may be threatened by apes. We know that. But up to this point, like every once in a while, you know, somebody gets bit by a shark or a bite by a snake or a dog bites somebody. But mankind has pretty much figured out how to subdue animals. They, they don't threaten the human race. But, but, we may have gotten the snake problem under control, the lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, problem under control. You may be able to, to figure out how to protect yourself from mosquitoes and any other kind of bugs. But, no human being can, as in they're able to. No human being can tame the tongue. <laughs> Your tongue, my tongue, his tongue, her tongue is untamable. It will never be fully under control. There will always be an unpredictability when it comes to our words. Now, some of us have, have better filters than others, but no one can ever fully tame their tongue. He's still not done. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. It's volatile. It should come with a warning label. Right? Now, think about this. Think about this. Right now, right now, while you're watching this, with this little microphone strapped to my face, I could ruin my reputation. I could ruin this church's reputation. I, I could bring shame on the name of Jesus with my words. I could, I could say things right now, and you'd get an email this week from the board saying, y'all saw the message last week. Tim will not be back next week. <laughs> he said he's sorry but he will still not be back next week. I could ruin my reputation. I could ruin my career with words right now. I'm not going to. But that's the power. That's the, the poison, the unpredictability of the tongue. And then he illustrates this. I mean, some of us have already done this today. Some of us will be guilty of it by the time we're done with the day. He's talking primarily to Jesus' followers. Verse 9, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, you say you love God. You sing about how much you love God. You claim the name of Jesus, and then you turn around and curse or degrade or demean or disregard the same people God made in his image. And I just got to say, this, this goes for what we type with our fingers, too. Those are our words just as much 
as what comes out of our mouth. It, it doesn't make any sense, he says, for, for somebody to say they love God with their mouth, but then turn around with that same mouth and curse the people God loves. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And then he asks a question to illustrate this. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Everybody in his audience went, no, of course not. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Why are you asking all these silly questions? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says the, the tongue, it's actually miraculous. Because what we don't see anywhere else in nature, we see with our mouth. Two opposite things coming from the same source. And, and, and the implication here is what comes out of our mouth is unnatural. What comes out of our mouth is sometimes unnatural. It's just something is uniquely, disturbingly unnatural about our mouths, about our words. And then what comes next is a bit of a shock. You ready for this? The end. <laughs> the end. That, that's it. He moves on to the next topic. And, and if you're like me, you're like, whoa, 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 James. You just threw us in front of a Mack truck and left. Like, where's the application? Where's the, where's the landing? You should at least give us some hope. <laughs> at least give us a couple suggestions of what we're supposed to do about that. But he doesn't. He just, he just ends and moves on to the next topic. And I don't know this. I don't know this. But I wonder, I wonder if he did that to make the point that there is, there is not a once and for all solution. There is not a do this and you'll tame your tongue or get to this maturity level and you'll tame your tongue. No, the tongue is a constant potential for great good. We should probably come back to that someday. But his point is the, the tongue is a constant potential for extraordinary evil. It, it's a constant that must be constantly guarded. That must, we, we must constantly pay attention to this. So, so what do we do, right? What do, what do you do about that? And I, I was tempted to get to this point and say, well, James doesn't tell us, so see you next week, right? And I, I just couldn't do that. I'm obviously not nearly as brave as James was. So to close, I want to give you three words because James is just trying to paint a picture to help us understand the gravity of this little hole in our mouth and what we're dealing with. So I hope, I hope these three words can help us with that, okay? Three words. Remember, surrender, confess. Remember, surrender, confess. We just need to remember the power that we have. You may not feel powerful, but you are. You're powerful because you can wield words to some of the most powerful things in human relationship. Remember that every single time you open your mouth, especially if you're angry or frustrated, you have the potential to scorch the people around you. Remember, you were born with your pilot light lit. 
Remember, your tongue's potential for good and your tongue's potential for evil is unlimited. We got to remember this. And then, second word, if we have the potential to burn the people around us, if we believe as followers of Jesus do, if we believe that anybody and everybody we will ever talk to or about is made in the image of God, and if we've been scorched ourselves, why wouldn't we surrender this deadly weapon to our Heavenly Father? Why would we not do that? Paul says in Romans that, that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So, so maybe part of, of our prayer routine, maybe some of you should start a prayer routine around this subject alone. Maybe part of our prayer routine, routine should be surrendering our mouth to God. And, and that's something that you're going to have to constantly do because according to James, no matter how old you get, how mature you become, how many prayers you've prayed, how many verses you've memorized, James says the volatility never goes away. It's untamable. So why, why wouldn't we? Why, why not daily? Why not continually surrender your mouth, your words to God? And then the third word is confess. We're going to scorch people with our words. It's not, an, it's not an issue of if, it's an issue of when. So when these words come out and you can't hit the rewind button, confess. Just confess. Don't explain, don't excuse, don't dismiss. Own the fires you've started with your words. Just just. Own them. Own the scorching sarcasm that's been a habit your whole life. Just confess it and cut it out. I'm learning to do this. I've got to do this. This is something I have to confess and cut out. Dads, I don't claim to fully comprehend why, but our words are the hottest and the heaviest. They just are. Kids, and that's pretty much everybody watching this right now. Our words weigh the most with our parents. It's tempting to just say, well, yeah, this is just my mom. There's no such thing as just my mom. There's no such thing as, yeah, it's just my dad. Regardless of your age, regardless of their age, your words are heavy with your parents. They are. Ladies, let me say this. We may look tough. We may, you know, take, we can take anything. We'll laugh. We'll ignore. We'll stay silent when you say certain things. But you just need to know our egos are so fragile. <laughs> they just are. They just are. And men, especially followers of Jesus, come on. Honor women with your words. The women in your home, the women you work with, any woman you come into contact with. Let, let's just decide to honor women when there are women around and when there is no woman around. Come on, isn't that the kind of world you want your daughter to live in? Isn't that the kind of world you want your granddaughter to live in? Honor women with your words. 
And then last thing, last thing. For those of you who grew up in homes, um, maybe in environments where words were used against you, you, you were scorched over and over and over and over. Please, for the sake of the next generation, don't repeat that cycle. Don't repeat that cycle. You, you'll be tempted. You'll be, you'll, you'll be drawn. You'll be bent towards repeating that cycle because hurt people hurt people. Bullied people tend to bully people. Neglected sons become absent fathers or demanding husbands. Abandoned daughters become suspicious wives. But don't repeat the cycle. Decide you're going to break it. Just decide you're going to break it through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Just decide that. It, it can be done. And God will empower you to do it. It's a little bit discouraging. It, it, it just is. But James says, your tongue cannot be tamed. Your tongue, my tongue, cannot be finally and fully tamed. It can only be guarded. Remember, surrender, confess. So, we haven't done this for a while, but I thought it might be helpful um, just to take five, ten minutes to talk about this together. This is, this is just one of those things that, like, walking away from a sermon and, and a sermon in and of itself just doesn't cut it, right? So if you're watching this um, with your family, with your small group, got a couple questions we're going to throw up on the screen for you to discuss. If you're watching this by yourself, feel free to process this however you'd like. If you're watching this live on Facebook right now, we'll throw these um, questions into um, the comments section. But take a few minutes, talk about this together, process it together, go back and forth, use your words to build each other up here in this moment, and uh, we'll see you next week.